Hello, and welcome to Fully Involved with Unified Fire. I'm Matthew McFarland, one of the public information officers here at Unified Fire. I'm joined today by our producer, Camarita Vogue. Uh, today, we're going to discuss the COVID-19 antibody test. Why are some people using it? Why are others not? What's its merit? And uh, what's it all about? Hey, Matthew. Hey, Cam. I'm here. Interesting subject matter today. It was a fantastic interview. Learned a lot. I definitely took a backseat on this one to learn about the antibody testing. Yeah, I think we had some great experts, so neither of us really needed to talk too much. We had Dr. Eddie Stenham, who works for Intermountain Healthcare. He's an infectious disease physician and medical director at Intermountain's Antibiotic Stewardship Program, which he'll talk about more here shortly. Yeah, he was definitely our subject matter expert and gave us great insight for moving forward as an organization. Yeah, it was uh, redeeming to hear what he had to say supported the actions our department was already taken. Uh, and I think that was great to see. We see here at Unified Fire how much thought goes into the day staff's um, approach to this and how we feel it's important to support the field and operational approach. Um, I don't think everybody knows or understands the level of involvement that the safety officer and the assistant chiefs and ops chiefs and everybody's commitment mm -hmm. to this approach. Yeah. Well, without much further ado, we can jump in yeah. to today's episode. Absolutely. Uh, with us today is Dr. Stenium from Intermountain Healthcare. Doc, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do for them. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on today. Um, so I'm an infectious disease physician. Uh, I work for Intermountain Healthcare, and so I see patients in the hospital um, at Intermountain Medical Center and throughout um, our small facilities through telehealth um, and take care of patients with advanced and complex infections. And then I also um, am medical director of antibiotic stewardship for the health system. And so our programs that we develop and study uh, really aim to optimize antibiotic use uh, in patients, so in patients and outpatients um, and wherever antibiotic is used. And so um, I've been heavily involved with the COVID preparedness and planning um, and operations uh, for the past uh, three and a half months now, and have been working with Intermountain to ensure that we're ready to take care of our community. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, also here in the studio, we have Captain Mike Greensides, who's UFA's safety officer. Hello, Matt. Hey, thanks for being here. And uh, Assistant Chief Riley Pilgrim. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. All right. Uh, we'll just jump right into it here. Doc, can you tell us uh, the COVID-19 antibody test? Uh, what is it? How does it work? Um, how effective is it? And, and what does all that mean? Yeah. So I think to start off, you just have to differentiate the two types of tests we have. We have the nasal test that people undergo when they have symptoms of COVID-19. That's a test that's done with a swab that goes into somebody's nose and what you're detecting on that is actual RNA or um, genetic material from the virus. Uh, that test, pretty easy to perform. Test results come back pretty quickly, and it tells you whether or not you have virus, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which causes COVID-19, whether you have it in your nose. So it tells you if you're acutely infected and could you potentially transmit that virus to others. Now, the antibody test, or sometimes called the serology test, it's a blood test. Now that test looks for um, a person's 
response from the body to a previous infection. So we make antibodies to fight off infections. And when we look for SARS-CoV-2 antibodies, it just looks for people that had been previously infected. So it's a blood test that looks for any kind of previous infection for SARS-CoV-2. And considering this virus has only been around for the past you know, three and a half months, really since March here in Utah, um, it, if it's positive, it's a good indication that you've previously been infected um, with this virus. Now, it's a very good test. Um, the, if you look at the test characteristics, you know, it, it detects this antibody very, very well. Um, and if it's present in the blood, it most likely means that you've been infected with SARS-CoV in the past. Now, um, the really big challenge with this test is that we don't know what a positive test means outside the fact that you've been infected previously. We cannot say without any certainty whether or not that having a positive antibody in your bloodstream means that you're immune to this virus. We can't say that you're safe from getting it again. Um, we just don't have the science there to be able to support that. And so it's a tough test right now because it doesn't offer you a lot of actionable results. Um, all it says is, yeah, you've been infected previously, but we can't say that you're safe from being infected again. Hey, Doc, I got a question. This is uh, Mike Greensides. Um, are you using looking for IgG and IgM and those two different antibodies? And can you maybe explain the differences between those those yeah. two antibodies? Yeah, Mike. Um, so our body has the ability to make many different types of antibodies. Um, IgM and IgG are two types of antibodies. IgM typically um, is generated first by the body, and then IgG is developed second. Um, now, when we look at specifically infection with SARS-CoV-2, what we see is that IgG essentially is being formed almost the exact same time as IgM. IgM may come one day earlier. So the tests that we're using, and there's a variety of tests on the market, um, look for either IgG or total antibody, which includes IgM and IgG. And honestly, the test characteristics are pretty similar if you're looking for both or one. And so most of the tests are going to focus on that IgG because that's the antibody that sticks around for a long period of time where IgM has a tendency to wane. Um, and so most of the tests on the market are focused on IgG. There are a couple that look for both. Um, but when you look at the test characteristics, they're pretty similar. What are the differences? Um, there's a lot of news out there about the portability, the point of care testing using those uh, those cassette style testing where it takes a drop of blood from the fingertip versus a venous drop, uh, venous collection of blood. I'm sure that you guys are doing in the hospital system. Yeah. So um, there are, so let's take a step back just to say that there's over a hundred antibody tests that now have been um, on the market and you have to be really, really careful in terms of what test you're using. And the reason is, is because there's a number of tests, lots of tests actually out there that have not been approved by the FDA under the emergency use um, assessments of the EUA. Um, there are a number that have, and those are the good tests that you want to make sure people are using. And so first, you need to make sure that you're using a validated test to look for SARS-CoV-2 antibodies. The second is when you look at tests that use a finger stick blood draw, so 
very portable. Like you said, it's a little finger prick. You put a drop of blood on a piece of paper. It's a lateral flow assay. Um, those are not as good as the blood test where you take a tube of blood and send it off to the lab. And so within Intermountain Healthcare, we're not using those pinprick kind of lateral flow assays. Um, we're using the standard blood tests where you get a tube of blood and send it to the lab. The reason we're doing that is that they're more accurate. I'm curious, uh, what would you see as the quantitative, quantitative value of this test um, with the inconsistencies in different tests? Uh, who's collecting all the data and sort of vetting out what tests they used? Um, and and is that, does that have an applicable use on a small scale for uh, versus national trends? Yeah, um, I can say right now is that, um, you know, within Intermountain, we've standardized the use across our system um, using one of two platforms. Um, one is in-house at our lab, and that's an Abbott laboratory um, uh, mechanism that we use antibody testing for. The second, we use it at ARUP that's done by Euromune. And so those are really good platforms for testing. And then we're also testing in very specific patient populations um, that actually add value. So within Intermountain, we're going to be learning a lot about what an antibody test um, means and doing that in a very kind of concentrated and intentional manner. I do worry about that. <clears throat> There's a lot of people bringing on tests and just offering it to anybody who wants them. And that potentially is giving people kind of false hope and kind of um, an unsubstantiated feeling of safety because they may have a positive test. And so, you know, you talk about a coordinated, you know, manner of uh, an approach to this is you really have to be intentional in who you're using this test on um, and how you're really rolling that out. So I do worry about individual clinics just randomly ordering this test. Now, you talk about a potential quantitative value to an antibody test. Um, that's really of interest to us. You know, right now, the antibody tests are either positive or negative. Um, that said, among the positives, you know, it ranges from a kind of a low positive to a high positive. And whether or not the amount of antibody that's been produced by a person is indicative of immunity is something that's a, an area of ongoing investigation. So there may be people that have really high level antibody responses that have some level of immunity. Those that have low level antibody responses that are still positive may have no immunity. And so that's the area of science that we really need to sort out. In addition, how long does it take for immunity to wane? Do those IgG levels drop over the course of weeks, months, years? And what is the threshold um, of, you know, no longer being immune if an antibody um, actually indicates immunity. So lots to unpack there. And that's why we, we worry about, a, um, you know, people being a little overzealous with this test and overreading the, the positive values. So, uh, so we, uh, when we relate to that too, uh, when we do our annual physicals here at Unified Fire, we do a yearly, um, antibody screen for hepatitis B vaccination. And we look and see the value of that to see making sure that that antigen level's up, right? And I mm -hmm. imagine that's a pretty defined level now based upon all the years of experience we have with hep B, but we have no data going forward right now currently with COVID. Is that correct? 
That's you're absolutely right. That's a great example to use. You know, in hepatitis B, we have a vaccine. Um, that vaccine induces an antibody to hepatitis B surface antibody. And we know when that antibody gets to a level that gets below kind of our limit of detection, um, we know that that person is no longer protected against hepatitis B. And so, you know, maybe in the future, um, we might get to a point with that with SARS-CoV-2 where we have a vaccine and then we can check antibody levels based on the antibody that was stimulated by that vaccine. But at this point, we're a long ways away from that. Um, but you're right, the hepatitis B surface antibody is a great example of how we use antibody titers to determine immunity. All right, well, that's uh, pretty informative all around. I appreciate that. Uh, Cap, do you wanna talk about what we're doing as an agency right now and what direction we're heading? Yeah, so some of the things that uh, we're doing is we're uh, we mean we've been looking at this for for months now it seems like and and it, almost weekly um, that we I get questions about this and from our perspective we're just kind of waiting because it's uh, it's too early um, and just like the doc alluded to it's uh, it's just because you have the test it just tells you you have a, a positive um, detection um, and then so my question is so what does what do you do after that? And um, in bouncing this off for our occupational medicine providers, um, they, they feel the same way. This is just a snapshot in time. And that's also important for us to realize is, you know, if you have another exposure a week after the test or two months or another six months after, you're going to have a potentially different result. And so, you know, the, where we struggle with is how often would we do this, you know? Right. And uh, there becomes a point where it becomes a logistical issue and a, a cost issue because, if we're going to implement this, we want to make sure it's a high value and have, have less um, issues involving po false positives. So we don't create that extra hysteria, hysteria or sense of, uh, of that they're okay. Mm -hmm. And the other issue is that going forward is that um, there's a, a real cost to this <laughs> running these tests, right? You know, and the, the hospital systems and, and labs can only run so many tests without overburdening the system. And so when we take, 400 plus, almost 600 employees in some cases, depending upon the group of us to be tested, that's a significant impact to, to a laboratory. Um, the other aspect I think it's important for us to realize is, uh, is just because we, we, because we don't have an idea what immunity means, it's not going to change our policies and procedures we currently have in place right now with COVID. So we still want people to use good um, social distancing. We want to limit the amount of people going in and have interaction with that patient. We want to be using our correct PPE and using the PPE appropriately and not uh, misusing it so we can continue to have uh, uh, stocks of that available for uh, positive patients. Right. So ultimately, uh, it's an expense. And really, it's not going to change our way of doing business in regards to how we protect our employees or how we protect our patients. We're still going to do the same things and we're going to reassess what's prudent for the current knowledge. And uh, the test itself isn't going to influence that yeah. immediately. And, and Doc, I got a question for you. And I'll kind of follow up on that. How if if this virus mutates, is the antibody still test still effective with that? How does that how does that play into things as the potential of this disease going forward and maturing a little bit more. Right. I mean, I first 
Uh, that's a great question. I'm going to answer that here in a second. I, I just want to say that your plan to move forward is spot on and um, really tempering and not going into this antibody testing full forces. This is the way to go. And we're really encouraging companies to really be following really a plan that you've laid out um, in the setting that, listen, regardless of what your antibody test is, you're going to have to go into these situations with full personal protective equipment. We still are going to encourage social distancing. At this point, it changes nothing. Um, and that this is an evolving process. We're going to learn more and more about antibody testing as time goes. And we're going to have more and more capabilities of doing testing as time goes. And I think it's when you turn that testing on is when you have actionable results. And right now you don't have actionable results. So I, I really encourage and I'm really happy to hear that this is the way you're, you're moving forward to that. Um, in terms of the mutation bit, so coronaviruses, which this is a coronavirus, is different than influenza viruses. Influenza viruses have a tendency to have large mutational changes, which can definitely change people's immunity and immune response. Coronavirus, on the other hand, doesn't mutate as aggressively as influenza viruses. So how does that relate to antibody tests? It relates then the fact that most likely small mutations in the coronavirus is not going to change the way that we produce antibodies to this virus. You know, right now we're looking at antibodies to the spike protein. That's what most of these um, tests are looking at. Other are looking at the nucleic capsid proteins. Um, but right now, the antibody tests appear to be pretty stable. But again, this is a novel virus. This is something that we're going to be evaluating you know, for years. Um, but we expect that the antibody tests to remain pretty conserved and pretty stable over time based on the characteristics of general coronaviruses. Well, awesome. Uh, I think on our end here as an agency, we're going to keep assessing this. Unified Fire has a uh, type three task uh, or team assembled to manage this incident. And uh, they're using the most up-to-date information we can get from a variety of sources. Uh, Captain Greensides and Chief Pilgrim are an integral part of that. And I know it's going to be an evolving situation. So uh, Doc, we appreciate you coming in and sharing some of your knowledge with us. And hopefully maybe we look forward to talking to you in the future about this. Anytime. And, you know, thank you guys for all the work you're doing at the front lines and being first responders. I mean, we're all in this together and um, it's great to be with you guys and help you out. Well, we appreciate that. We definitely value our relationships with our local healthcare entities and uh, all the hospitals, especially. Uh, so thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. All right. Anything else, uh, Captain Greensides, Chief Pilgrim? No, I think uh, organizationally, we've been doing a lot of research. We've been asking these questions of a lot of different healthcare providers, both within our organization that we have with UVU, with IHC, some outside perspective, and they're all landing in the same place that, you know, the test has value in terms of tracing the disease, right? Epidemiology, populations, how it spreads, how it impacts people the symptoms, validation of all of the above, but the big question's always been, then what? Like, so you have immunity or you have antibodies, doesn't mean you have immunity. It just means you've had exposure to COVID at some point in the last few weeks or months. And so for us, 
we just don't feel that the benefit is there to test everybody. Uh, a lot of, a lot of the research is saying, and just the feedback is saying it, it, it shows you've got antibodies, but it doesn't prove that you have immunity. Um, and a lot of this research is saying we're months out from even knowing if humans will be immune to coronavirus. So I trust what they're sharing with us. That a lot of the research is leaning that direction and we are spending a lot of time digging into this one because it's a concern and it's a question that a lot of people have. And I don't think it's just within our organization. I mean, it's a community-based question. It's a local question. It's a state question. There are cities, you know, who are huge advocates of this or even selling kits. I mean, there's so much out there and it's, it's confusing to wade through all the information, just like it was in the beginning when this whole thing started, like, what is COVID? What's this going to do? How do we respond to this? Now we're months into it. Now we're figuring out what the next step is. And until we see that we have some valid tests, just like the hepatitis B example, I feel like there's still a lot to be determined and organizationally the value isn't quite there yet. Um, I can assure you that once we feel that, that the value has arrived and when these tests are valid, they, they provide us some sort of actionable item, we're going to do it. Um, the VVU is already committed to that. They have tests on hand. They say once they get more, they're ready to plug us right in and start testing us. But even their recommendations are not yet. Let's let this play out a little bit longer and we'll let you know when it's a good time to test. Yeah. And I think the other issue, issue here that we've got to be realistic about is, you know, I encourage people to go out and, and do some research and, and look at some really good, valid research that's been out there. Learn about antibody testing. It's important to look at your sample sizes always in this research and making sure it's very broad and it's not a small limit. But when also looking at antibody testing, it's we are very... Early on in this, and we only have about a five percent of worldwide infection, right? And so it's a very low number, and the possibility of having false positives within that number is pretty high using antibody tests. Right. The way those metrics work, Correct. The, the larger the test group, the more accurate that. Absolutely. Outcome, right. Yeah. So it's important for us to realize that, and so that's again another reason why we're just kind of waiting and seeing. And making sure we're good stewards of the dollar, um, you know, things are becoming tighter and tighter. Um, so we want to make sure when we're implementing this, we're using it appropriately at the right time. Yeah, and I think the thing that's important to remember is a lot of our partner agencies are looking at us and towards us for what we're doing. And that goes with fire departments, that goes with our local cities, our communities. We're getting a lot of questions from them on what we're going to do. And it's not to find out if we're ready, it's to find out what we're going to do because they don't know. Right. So I think a lot of people are leaning on us for the direction, sort of direction we, yeah, the direction we decide to go. And right now we've decided to monitor, we're going to research, we're going to watch, we want to see this evolve. Um, but you know, we're, we're still, we got a lot of learning to do. One, one thing I thought was interesting They so they're talking about testing essential services and people who need to be at work. But again, what does that mean? Do you put those people who've already tested positive in situations where they might you know, it's, there's just so many unknowns and that I don't feel like that's appropriate either. All because you have immunity doesn't mean you're cool. now our go-to person, right? And, and a positive and test doesn't prove you have immunity. Right. That's not even determined yeah. yet. Well, and speaking of statistics, I just read, I saw a story about Major League Baseball. They're preparing to reinstitute the season. They tested 7,800 employees and less than 1% came back with the antibody. 
So it's just such a, like I said, such a large number of people, such a small percentage who have actually probably come in contact with COVID if you look globally. And it's just the the data, the reliability, and the necessity isn't quite there yet. So we'll, we'll watch it. We're ready to jump on it. We just don't feel like right now is the time. Copy that. We'll continue to reassess the situation as it evolves. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good stopping point for today. Thanks for coming in and helping uh, facilitate this discussion as our agency's experts. And uh, we'll revisit more uh, podcasts about COVID-19 in the near future, I'm certain. Uh, So thanks for tuning in. Uh, Fully involved with Unified Fire. Yeah, thanks, Matt. From the Salt Lake Valley, this has been Fully Involved. Follow Unified Fire on social media and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening.